Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 64 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I am your co-host, Mark Blankenship, and with me, as always, in my heart and on this recording, is my <laughs> fabulous and esteemed co-host, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello. And today, we are bringing to you a requested song. Uh, the song was requested by my friends, Matt and Mariah, both of whom you heard about in last week's episode, because they had something to do with the entrance of the song, The Luckiest, Into My Life. Uh, I should also say that Mariah is doing a concert at a venue here in New York called 54 Below in October that I've already got my tickets for, and you should go see it. She's an amazing singer. And I should add that we are delighted to say that Matt and Mariah are sponsors on our Patreon account, and we do thank them for their monthly support, and you too can become a Patreon sponsor at patreon.com slash mastis. But most importantly, Sarah, I think it's time for you to let the listeners know what tunage Matt and Mariah have brought into our lives today. Well, Matt and Mariah are only responsible for our having to endure one Starship song, We Built This City, um, often called the worst rock song ever written, and we will link to the oral history of that in the show notes. Um, But while discussing what we might do uh, and say about this song, uh, we realized that we'd felt ways rather strongly about uh, two other 80s Starship hot, hot hits that were inescapable. I am speaking, of course, of the incorrectly spelled and reprehensible-sounding Sarah, and Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, a.k.a. The Mannequin Song. So we thought, why not examine these hits. I don't think they're in the order of release, are they? I'm sure we're going to hear some track facts. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know we've got some track facts coming. Yes. Um, yeah. But let's let's just begin with the one that started it all. Uh, we built this city. Well, let's and in listen- fact, that was oh. chronologically first as well. So there you really? go. Really? Yeah. Huh. I mean, I knew Sarah wasn't first, but I think I thought we built this city was um, was uh, like later, like the last one. Anyway, it it doesn't really matter. Here's you know a thing to know. This organization, led uh, in theory by Ms. Grace Slick, um, the most unapologetic lead singer rock slut of behind the music's history, and good for her. Um, this was a 60s band called Jefferson Airplane, and it was a role different back in the day. <laughs> like, White Rabbit and this, like, you can't even believe it's the same band. And I guess technically it isn't. Like, they wanted to update their brand, so they started calling themselves Jefferson Starship, and then I think it was just Starship. By this time, yes, it was solely Starship. Um, so what they built this city on was uh, broken Casios, I'm pretty sure, but let's listen to a clip and then get into it. All right. Someone <laughs> 
Um, here's the thing. Uh, this is absolutely, like, on paper, in theory, whatever, it's absolutely as bad as anyone who wants to slag the song says it is. It's by numbers, like, 60s rock, dinosaur, 80s comeback single, shite. They really didn't need to stoop to that. Uh, it's bombastic, it's trying, it thinks, to make a comment about soulless, group-thinky, cynical, Reaganoid product. Hilariously! It's hilarious! Yeah. But I love it. Like, it's, I, I think it is totally, like, focus-grouped and extruded and, you know, it is machined product, as we've spoken about before in this podcast. But, and even that cheesy, like like radio drive time snippet later in the song yep i even like that like it's sort of i wouldn't say the hairs on my arm stand up but it's like it's so of its time and it it almost succeeds in what it's trying to do but then sort of fails gloriously and yeah i don't know i i like the song i i acknowledge that it's not good but i enjoy it well sarah we are birds of a feather on that one because I, I just I have so many little notes jotted down about this song and the first one I have to underline for myself is I love that a song that is so obviously corporate is trying to front like it's against corporate music yeah and we built this city on rock and roll but we're not playing rock and roll right now uh, like y'all, it's like Starship to me is the quintessential example of a band that had a bunch of rock cred in the '60s and then happily sold right out and just said, "Here, give me that check, give me that check." And which, and there is nothing wrong with that. No, but well, that's well because the the point I want to make is that I feel like it's funny to remember that you used to be able to have sellout in this sense as a negative because now we live in an age when people have finally stopped pretending like that's not going to happen. Right. You know, like Kanye West has retained his credibility and that motherfucker sells out every day and he like makes a show of it, you know, and it's like just literally makes a show that his a, wife is on. Exactly. Yeah. And I just feel like it's, it's, or, or Beyonce, for instance, like Beyonce is also making like life shaking music, but she's also, trying to make sure you get that title subscription and i feel like this song it is a remember it is a reminder of 80s corporate excess it is also a reminder of misplaced uh fury towards rock bands who were perceived to not be authentic enough anymore and i know that the word authentic is probably if you did some sort of word cloud of this podcast it would be the number one most used word but to me there's something so open and above board about their complete commercialism here that I'm like, look, nobody's fronting like this song is anything other than what it is. I I don't know. Maybe they don't feel that way. Maybe because the lyrics are about how they're fighting corporate masses. And But the, to me, it reads as unapologetic in its being a sellout song. And, and I embrace, like you said. Yeah. And I, I think it's also worth noting that uh, Grace Slick's voice by this time was cashiered like she she couldn't like her voice was not made for this kind of pop 
in my opinion. No. Like, if they were still doing sort of straight rock or if they'd gone in a more like folky, like Joni direction, she could have done it. But like they put in that one rock whoop at the end that so I'm like, okay, Nana. And I mean, she was younger than us, I'm sure, when this was recorded. Like, I don't know. She's like our parents' age, probably. Yeah, that so sounds when right. This came out over 30 years ago. She was not. She was not an old lady, but like all the smoking pot and screaming about Alice being 10 feet tall for years on end got got to her. And then she just had, oh God, they were so sad. Like the pictures of them from this era where they all had that like big poison. Oh, perm, yes. All of them, ladies and men is like, oh, that's so like you stay too long at the club kid <laughs> well you got you gotta go and so to me though it is that one of the reasons that i love the song or another one of the reasons i love the song is that that 80s sound the synthesizers it's just this is a song that to me is perfectly trapped in its era like it's it is literally inexcusable how <laughs> cheesy this song sounds and yet <laughs> i cannot fight it and i also want to make sure that we acknowledge one of the lines in the pre-chorus is Marconi plays the mamba. Okay, so Marconi, who was the Italian inventor who did a lot of work with long-range radio transmission, didn't play the mamba, as far as I know. And he also didn't play the mambo, which is the actual musical style. Mamba is a snake. So, like, just <laughs> nobody could be bothered, bitch. They're like, mamba, mambo, girl, I don't care where's the chair bitch God. And marconi's like get get my name out your mouth <laughs> well and also did you know i had actually i knew this and then forgot it and then remembered it when i was doing this research the lyrics for this song are by bernie toppin i saw that what the hell like who you telling yeah. and also hilariously they're co-written by this guy named martin page who also with Bernie Toppin, co-wrote Hearts, These Dreams, which is one of the most nonsensical songs lyrically that's ever been created. And uh, they, he also wrote uh, King of Wishful Thinking, Martin Page did, for Go West. Oh my god, and now I'm going to have that shit in my head for... I know I will. So like, here's the other thing. We're talking about a guy, both of them, they are not afraid to write a hook and... I'm not mad about it. And Sarah, before we move on to the next song, I do need to share with you that when I was in second grade, or no, third grade, so this would have been around 86, I will never forget this. We did a talent, my my class of gifted students, right? I was in an, I was in an all-day gifted class for kids uh, second through sixth grade. It, there were like 12 of us in the class. We were working at our own pace. I was in third grade, but there were like kids of all grades in there. As a class, we performed an elaborate rendition of this song at the talent show. And let me break it down for you how that worked. Um, Mike Dalton, who was in fifth grade when I was in third grade and could sing, and Lynn Smith, who was in sixth grade and she could sing, they took the vocals. And then I, because I had no shame, even then, was wearing <laughs> the most amazing outfit. And I was pretending to play the guitar, but really I was performing Rock God. One way I did that is I won, I wore one black Converse and one turquoise Converse. I, I've, I've heard this story. 
I love and the then, story. I think you should carry the story forward into your current life. <laughs> Thank you. And then the other so then there was like a, another person in the class pretended to play the drums and then the other people in my class were all uh city employees like whatever they were dressed like construction workers and they were building a city around us because as a class we spent a week making buildings out of cardboard like these giant buildings that we colored and so then what happened in the course of our performance is that the 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 city got built around us and then we kicked all the buildings down at the end and we were rocking out and we were kicking buildings everywhere and then the construction workers started dancing and oh my god I felt like the baddest badass in the history of ever because Please I got to tell do that. me that some kind of like photo or video uh, evidence of this exists. You know, I have to say, I don't know. I need to ask my mother because I remember it clear as day. I, I just, I'll never forget how much I loved kicking those buildings down. Oh my God. With your, which converse was it? The black-hearted converse? I, no, the no. turquoise converse I of joy? I specifically chose the turquoise converse. Oh, man. And I remember, like, how much I loved building the buildings. Like, it was just, it was pretty amazing. It was an amazing school project. Hey, listeners. Did you know that by supporting this podcast on Patreon, you can get yourself access to exclusive content like our masked-ass singles? Well, it's true. In July, Mastass's Patreon supporters got to hear playlists from the Duchess of D and Soika's Paynoot and heard recommendations for the best books about music. Here's a snippet. The, just the, like, the way that Taylor Dane is presented as a pop Icarus is it's so interesting. And John Seabrook's Taylor is... Dane pop Icarus? I think you have to write that book. <laughs> I will read the shit out of that. I'm not sure how much Taylor Dane likes the concept, but if you like Mastass and want to support us, visit patreon.com slash Mastass and consider a monthly contribution. You'll get extra content like our singles. You'll get to steer our content by voting on playlists and album rankings. You can even score pop chart astrology readings and song dedications. And if you're really flush, you can make us come to your house and record in your cocina. Once again, that's patreon.com slash mastass. Thanks so much for your support. And now back to the show. Anyway, so now I think, though, with regards to Starship songs that we have personal connections to, perhaps we should move chronologically to their next number one single. And the reason we chose these three songs, by the way, is that all three of these songs were their number one hits of the 80s. So uh, next, after we built this city, their immediate follow-up was Sarah. Uh, shall we hear a clip? Uh, all right. in the game when the stakes Sarah, Sarah, 
fuck this. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, only when Boston finally came out with Amanda, like two years after this, (laughs) did anyone know my pain. And that song was not as popular, and I thought it was a pretty good song, but (laughs) this bitch is not named Amanda. I am named Sarah, with an H on the end, as God literally intended in the Bible. Like, oh, here's here's how pervasive this song is. Like, upon introduction, people singing it to me. It happened at a party last night. You're you're kidding me. It's still going on. I was like, "Hi, I'm Sarah." Bead, Sarah. I'm like, no, (laughs) no. Bunting, bunting. Uh, Bunts are bunting in your bunt. Oh, bunting. And here's the pity of it. The song, (laughs) I am not capable of judging the song really because um, I want it unbraided from my DNA yesterday. (laughs) But the... And there's a lot of things wrong with it. Like the terrible scansion of storms a-brewing in your... Like, that's not... Scan it better. Like, you've been doing this a while now. You should you should have better scansion than that. Um, the maudlin synthesizer in the beginning. The lyrics, of course, don't make any sense. And the wind chime setting on the uh, Casio, followed by the plaintive guitar noodle of incoming deadly cyclone or whatever the fuck is going on. In that video. but With Rebecca saw... De Mornay in the video, yes. by the way. But we all saw the video like a gazillion times. And it's actually a pretty interesting, like it's a classic, like overblown story video that you wouldn't necessarily get that this, you know, woman got Dorothy to death in the Kansas Plains and it's haunted him ever since. Like, would you get that from the lyrics as they're written down? No, not really. Um, and especially since I didn't even know the words were a Bruin in your eyes until like two days ago, because it scans improperly. I just, I don't know. I really, I can't with this, like the, with the fake harmonica. And uh, I mean, it was sung to me last night, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) That is in a way. The best and worst part of everything you've just said is that some shit is still happening. The shit is still happening. And here's another thing. I can think of like one song in the, like there's some other songs that I get sometimes like Sarah Smile. Um, And uh, there's another, there's another Sarah song that I can't, I can't put my mind to right now, but the like only, um, sort of pop or rock or alt country song with Sarah with an H is uh, Ray Montaigne and it's a super depressing song about this Sarah t- destroying his heart and how horrible she is and it's like thanks y'all like could someone spell it right and have a like have a good song with it like Sarah Smiles is a pretty good song by Hall and Oates but it's not spelled correctly like that's the other problem like no one else cares but other Sarahs get it, that they're like, oh. <laughs> I just want to offer an apology to every Sarah I've known to whom I may have sung this song. I feel like you have opened up an empathy channel for me. And uh, I, I feel like I especially should apologize to my friend Sarah from high school. I am 
almost certain that I sang this song to her in in uh, algebra too. So, I, girl, I mean, I'm sorry. Look, I understand. Like sometimes the instinct is even there for me to do it to myself. Like <laughs> this has been going on for so long for so many people that like. I get that it is like when the doctor brings the little hammer down on your knee and you just kick. Like, it's just not something that people can necessarily stop themselves from doing. Yes. Here's what does need to stop happening, because I have accepted, obviously, within the last 24 hours, that this is never going to stop happening. But then don't stand there expectantly like I've never fucking heard anyone There it is. Yes. Like, like you're going to yes, say, oh, thank how clever. Well, oh you know, God, the why? only thing I can offer from my own experience that's somewhat similar is that people to this day still call me Marky Mark. Oh. And I don't think that people even remember now what they're referring to. Because <laughs> formerly, I used to get constantly asked where my funky bunch was. But now people that's just call me. That's not a good vibration at all. No, it isn't. And I remember so clearly in seventh grade having to be like, ah, I killed them. That that became my <laughs> my basic response. Marky Mark, where's your funky bunch? Ha, I killed them. But now people just call me Marky Mark, and I don't think they even understand the reference anymore. No, I don't think they do either. Are there any Mark songs? Well, because uh, here's a funny story for it. Well, it's not funny. It's that I'm stupid. But the, you know that Elliot Smith song that starts out, I've got a question mark. <laughs> yeah, did you for think years? Was, I thought I've it was a question, comma, mark, <laughs> mark. And I expressed this to someone. I think it was actually our esteemed colleague and past guest, Joe Reed, who was like, it's question mark. I was like, oh, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> But well, isn't it more fun to have it, it be that he has a question for Mark? And Joe's like, not for Mark. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Joe well, Reed, ladies and germs. Anyway, I'm an idiot. Continue. The only thing that immediately springs to mind is in the musical Rent, there's a part where they're at a life support meeting, uh, which was the name of a support group for people with HIV and AIDS. And Mark, the character, stumbles in late to the meeting, and everyone's introducing themselves. And he goes, Mark, Mark, I'm Mark. And that's like the one musical thing I have for, for my own name. Because Mark is not a very sonically beautiful name in a song. Like... And then I said, Mark, 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 no, no, Mark, Mark, Mark. <laughs> um, but let me add, just as a fun fact, that the previous song, We Built a City, was the, the other co-writer was Peter Wolf, who is also a co-writer of this song. And uh, Martin Page and Bernie Taupin were not on Sarah, so that's why I saved Peter Wolf for now. Peter Wolf went on to deliver some of the following hits alongside We Built the City and Sarah. He also co-wrote Everybody Have Fun Tonight by Wang Chung. Oh, yeah. You, you know who's sick of hearing about that shit? <laughs> Tara Ariano, <laughs> a.k.a. Wing Chun. That's right. You're so right. And no, you're not the first person to say it. He um, also was there on These Dreams and King of Wishful Thinking. He was also on Hearts. What about love? Don't you want someone to share about you? What about love? Was he part of the Jay Giles band? No, although... uh, Wait, was he? Some other wolf. I don't think so. No, not according to Wikipedia. But, you know, who knows? And he also apparently wrote 
the score for Weekend at Bernie's 2. <laughs> well, Not one, two. Someone had to. Oh, and while we're up, update. I knew there was a like pretty good Sarah song that I was forgetting about, and it's Fleetwood Mac. Oh, of course. Yeah, that is a good one. But it's it's almost never it's never uh, Fleetwood Mac. It's never Ray Montaigne, obviously. It's occasionally Sarah Smile, which is like two of my pet peeves. One, there's an H on the end. And two, don't fucking tell me to smile. That's not a thing we do anymore. It's 2017. But it's 95% of the time. It's Starship. And well, so... and that just that's a testament though to these songs. This the '80s songs of Starship are they're like bed bugs. Hooks. They're hooks. You can't get them out of your brain. There's they're like Casio bed bugs. It's amazing. Um, okay. Of hooks <laughs> and the movie Mannequin. Let's take a listen to the third number one hit that Starship had in the '80s. This is "Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now." I don't know if you could hear the sound of me clapping in the background, but that's because I had my hands up over my head doing that concert clap. I, Sarah, love this song so much, even more than We Built This City. I know that this song is cheesy. I do not care. I love it. I love everything about it. When I was in college, my friends and I had an 80s-themed prom party that we built a balloon arch and a spangly sign that you got your picture taken in front of and the sign said 1987 prom nothing's going to stop us now like i have had a themed party around this song everything about this song is right and correct and just the movie mannequin is terrible and wonderful this song is co-written by goddess of pop hooks diane warren like, <laughs> i know this is literally everything that's terrible and un and inarguably wonderful about the 80s. And I don't know if you know the film The Skeleton Twins that came out a few years ago that had Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig and was written and directed by my friend Craig. Hi, Craig. But uh, there's an amazing scene where they lip sync this song together, Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, that just captures exactly why this song is so cheesy yet so delightful because it's so over the top and it is so bombastic. And if you are lip syncing to this song, you get to just pound the air you get to feel your feelings. It's, to me, the fact that this song was released in near proximity to I've Had the Time of My Life is, in fact, uh, a sign that this was a, a, a moment of glory in pop music history. I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me, before, before we go on, let me just add, I've Had the Time of My Life won the Oscar that year, but... 
but Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now was nominated. So, so okay. Mannequin was an Oscar-nominated film, technically. Yes, yes, okay. it was. Okay, carry on. If there weren't videos in literally constant rotation for this and for Sarah, I, I'd have to wonder... I mean, I just have to wonder how well they might have done. Um, I agree that this song is utterly typical of its era. Uh, it it has that like hallmark sort of cheap, sciency sound to it. Uh, this is also utterly typical of what I was saying before about Gray Slicks. Um, I think let's say, struggles to vocalize as smoothly as she used to. My notes read, holy shit, does Grace sound like a high school production of Wicked in this vocal? Have a seat, Nana. You're giving yourself a polyp. We don't even hear the outro where she goes crazy sharp. Like, not intentionally, either. It's just it's just ugly. Um, the lyrics are complete pablum. Another one of my notes is, and I quote, this is unbearable. Uh, this is like the fake cherry of songs. I just don't, I get that people like fake cherry flavoring. I am not one of them. And it's, this is never, this is never going to appeal to me anymore. It's possible that it's because of overexposure when it came mm. out. Like it's possible that I just heard it too many times and it's like, it's burnt, but I, I had to clip, um, something from their freedom from point zero freedom at point zero album i think that's i think that's what it's called this was in the opening of wet hot american summer the mute the movie it's called jane and this is what they used to do and i am putting a clip in here just to cleanse my palate enjoy there thank you there we go Uh, we well, sing this to I have niece. seen the movie Wet Hot American Summer so many times that that just hearing that I I I see exactly what's happening in the opening credits. Yeah, Zach Orth like headbanging around the campfire. Totally. Yes. Um, that song is like a classic sort of turn of the '70s cheap trickish uh, panty dropper. Like that guitar is hot. That rock scream. That's not Grace, but that rock scream is like. I love that song. I think it's great. Um, I also love We Built This City, but this is sort of what I'm talking about. That like somewhere around 1982, this band was like, we got mortgages and we're going to have to like perform the biggest pivot of all time yeah. away from well, everything we ever did before. Again, that is fine. No judgments, but it's fascinating to me that these used to be like, I mean, this was like rock and roll in the original like sex, drugs, and sense of it. And then this like fast forward 15 years and it's like a completely different look. Well, it is to me one of the most striking sonic transformations in pop rock music history. Like you could not in any way be expected to know that the person, that the band that sang the song you just played a clip of and this band we've been talking about for the rest of the episode was the same band. Or if you listen to Somebody to Love or White Rabbit, like, how would you ever know that it's the same band? And, like, you know, again, yes, that absolutely does indicate that 
Jefferson Starship, Jefferson Airplane, Starship, whatever, that they were a band without any pro- – that had very little problem completely altering their sound to become commercially viable. You know, even Heart, when they made the change from Barracuda to Alone, retained some sort of guitar-driven rock-based sound. And uh, the the Wilson sisters' vocals stayed at the front. So even when they made their big 80s move, you could still hear Old Heart in there. Like, it would make sense to hear Barracuda and Alone at the same concert. It would right. not make sense to hear what you just played and nothing's going to stop us now at the same concert. It would really not. And I think that for me, one of the reasons I have such a soft spot for these songs is that I was less than 10 years old when all of these songs were popular. So I didn't have any reference point. And these were the kinds of songs that were always on Nick Rocks, the Nickelodeon video channel. So for me, I just, when you're a child, like these kinds of songs are so catchy and fun and, I think I have a permanent soft spot for them. And like I said before, the concept of selling out seems so old fashioned to me now. Like who cares? Like get over, like who, nobody really, I don't think worries about it anymore. And yes, especially in music where it's like so much harder to even do. Yeah. Than it used to be 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So it's like, if you figure out a way to sell out, go get it. Good for you. And like, as we've talked about now, I have some, to me, when I get mad at someone for being inauthentic, it's more about moral sanctimony. Like in uh, I Got Friends That Do, well, you might remember the rage that we felt together about that song. Oh, do I? Yes. It's but always like, it's always close to the surface, that, that song rage. Or like uh, or the train rage that we worked through the other day. Like they're not pretending <laughs> like they're – they're not pretending to be anything other than, than commercial music makers. But their songs are so – like they crossed a different kind of line. But to me, this is like, you know what? This is shamelessly commercial, but it's well done and it's not pretending to be anything. And I don't know why I'm able to give We Built This City a pass because I do understand that lyrically it kind of is pretending to be something. But the heart the heart is a mysterious uh, vessel and it has many chambers. And I, I don't know, Sarah. So what I, what I feel like is rehearing all these songs, if you were to tell me, stranger, listener, whatever, I barf over everything that Starship ever did, I'd be like, yeah, okay. But for me, these songs, they do have a place in my heart. Yeah, I think, I mean, Sarah is like, it's like that one Tori Amos. I mean, it's not like that song, obviously, because that song was about Tori Amos having been sexually assaulted. I just want to be clear that, you know, I haven't had a stroke. I get it. But in the sense that it's like impossible to like talk about it and assess it as a like as a listening experience because of everything else that comes with it right like sarah is sort of like all right well i've heard those two bars 600,000 times <laughs> in my life well 600,002 as of last yeah. night uh-huh so, yeah, it's like, okay, I can't even, like, I can't even look at that song. Uh, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, I think, is, like, a matter of, it's just a matter of, like, individual taste. Like, I, I feel like these are big wads of fakey flavored chewing gum, all of these songs. Mm-hmm. But I love fakey flavored chewing gum if it's not cherry. Like... The mm-hmm. grape version of We Built the City, 
I'm, I'm here for that. I'm going to blow a huge bubble and it's going to stick to my bangs and it's going to be a whole problem. Um, and Sarah is like, you know, banana, blueberry fizz. Like, I'm not, I'm not touching that. And then nothing's going to stop us now is cherry. And I'm like, I don't like cherry. But if you come up with something in a, like, orange or strawberry, I'll give it a try. But, I mean, one thing is undeniable, and that is that they are so of their era in ways good and bad. And, like, as artifacts, I think they're really interesting, even if I don't necessarily want them on my iPod for even two minutes after I'm done ed editing this episode. <laughs> I feel like that is a perfect summation. I have nothing to add. Nothing's going to stop me from c agreeing with you now. Mark, we need a new bumper. What do you say? Oh, girl, yes, it's been time. Yep, it's been time. What do the listeners need to know today? Well, what they need to know today is that this is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, hosted by me, Mark Blankenship, and you, Sarah D. Bunting, and edited by you, Sarah D. Bunting, and that today's theme song was recorded by the one and only David Gregory Byrne, whom you can find at davidgregoryburn.com. Uh, Sarah, I think they also need to know how to reach us, though. What do you think? They do indeed. We love to hear from you guys, whether it's uh, song requests, uh, obscure bluegrass versions of songs that we have discussed. If you want Mark to do a pop chart reading, if you'd like to buy an ad, you can reach us by email, talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. You can hit up our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash mastass.podcast. And of course, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter at TalkSongs. And... You could become a producer on the show. Mark, tell them all about it. What? Yes. For a small monthly donation, you can get access to exclusive content that no one else can hear that we will create specifically for you. And you will also help us keep the lights on here at this fine podcast, which we deeply appreciate. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash mastus. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash mastus to learn more. And let me tell you that if you make a sizable one-time donation, we'll actually fly to your house in the continental United States and record the podcast with you. Hey! In your lap. And maybe you can help us do this part in unison because this is Mark and Mark Sarah, and Sarah talk, talk about, about songs. songs. No! Oh, we're trying our best! <laughs> uh, are we though? <laughs> listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.